0: Do they literally have a runny nose for like the entire winter like like this has been going since september 23rd and it's like march <laughs> and just non <non-stop> kleenexville
1: <laughs> welcome to the medical dads podcast a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors i'm one of your co-hosts dr Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from ottawa ontario i
0: want to be in the Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. Daddy! Daddy, where are you? Hey, Stu, welcome back to our show. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Good. Good day to you, Dr. Xu.
0: Yes, so we're trying a rare daytime episode. And tell me,
1: how is it we can record in the daytime?
0: Because our kids are officially back to school.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Awesome. So just to give everyone a quick update, because we were talking about my son missing the first week of school last week because of his uh, gastroenteritis diarrhea episode. He has officially been cured as of Monday morning. Awesome. Yes. With any
1: specific intervention or just time?
0: just time just like we've called it on the show and he actually made it so his first day of school was Monday and today was his third day of preschool ever So he's he's quite happy about all that
1: so if I had said to you like a week and a half ago to put healing stones around his neck and wait wait a week and a half it uh, would have seemed like those stones are totally legit
0: indeed indeed you could have said anything at that point we would have tried it
1: (laughs) well glad congratulations I'm glad to hear that he's back he's back on his feet
0: so since since it's September and you know we're, all, we're both parents and all the parents out there are dealing with back-to-school month and they've been dealing with back-to-school commutes and back-to-school sales, I thought or we thought it would be a good time to do a back-to-school episode where we talk about some issues that are kind of relevant to parents at this time of year and lead into the school year. Sounds good. So I, I thought I'd start with a little bit of a story like One of the things that's happening in our house is because this is my son's first year going to school, there's a new, there's a whole new routine in our house. Like he used to, my son used to like sleep in or sometimes wake up early, but there wasn't like this onus to get his breakfast fed and eaten in time. So we really only had like the older kid. We just had to feed her and get her out the door. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a totally new thing to have both kids sitting at the breakfast table and having this time limit. Like they really have to eat by a certain time. So what's happened what's happened yesterday was that my daughter she's being a little bit annoying in the morning like some. she's the thing about her is sometimes she talks like an adult so
1: okay she
0: swears a lot (laughs) not quite but she does sound like like a bit of an angry teenager so like I had set out her breakfast and there was what part of her breakfast was like a Chinese bun and she's like eating it and she doesn't like it right so she's like oh this is disgusting (laughs) and <laughs> be fighting words <laughs> and then like i'm, I'm already kind of edgy because like this is like day two of the new routine i have like a million things yeah. to do and i actually have i have like a med student waiting for me at the clinic like we really cannot be late today and then like she's telling me this is disgusting so i'm already like i'm already ramped up to like defcon 2 at that point then she's like can you read me a story and then we had like one of those piggy and elephant books lying around oh, yeah, yeah, I know so i open it and then i start reading and she's like you know what you know why I really don't like Piggy and Elephant? And I just lost it. Right? I was like, you don't like the bun? You don't like Piggy and Elephant? And I tossed the book. Tossed it. Right? I tossed the book and the newspaper I was, I'm like, did you even, did you even say good morning to daddy when you woke up this morning? And she's like, no right i'm like you don't say good morning you don't help with breakfast and i i start going on one of these like dad rants, Did you flip right? the table over too I, I didn't flip the table because then i'd have to put it back together <laughs> but i definitely damaged that newspaper like i was like upset and this isn't print you you snapped an ipad in half no no we we have an old-fashioned paper subscription to the Toronto Star and so but the the thing that's different now is i can't just lose it with my daughter there because now my son is sitting across from me he's eating breakfast and he yeah. finds this super entertaining right so i'm like will you shut it and then then i hear this little parrot voice will you shut it <laughs> right? i'm like will you shut it also and he's like will you shut it all <laughs> right and everything i say he just copies it so then i was like i'm trying not to giggle and i'm like yeah. clearly i have no authority in this household whatsoever So, so anyways, that's, that's, that's the new routine in our house.
1: (laughs) Every morning ends with your newspaper and your sanity in ripped up shreds on the floor. (laughs) But I feel you. I, some of my most shameful parenting moments in terms of lacking patience and understanding have occurred in the morning before school, trying to get everybody out of the door on time. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So I'm actually kind of curious, like, how do you do this? Like you have four children and you're, you, you have a job where you work late night sometimes or all over the different time shifts. So how do you and your wife coordinate getting the kids where they need to go?
1: Well, I have to acknowledge right off the bat that my wife gets it worse than I do. Uh, we both have turns where we take the kids to school, but because of the way the shift work goes for me, on days when I'm bringing them to school, my wife often gets up, can help a little bit before she leaves. Uh, But on days where she's bringing them to school, often I'm not even there at all because I'm still at work. Or I've only just come in a few hours before and I'm still in bed. I can tell you though for the both of us that when things do go well, the key factors are preparation and routine. When we've taken a little bit of extra time the night before to get the lunches ready. When we've asked the kids the night before to pick out clothes for school the next day and lay them out. Those are the mornings with less yelling and crying from the parents. And it also gets easier as they, as they understand that there's a routine. So my kids have before school jobs. They know they have to brush their teeth. They know they have to get their lunch kits and put them in their backpacks, uh, things like that. And although we have to constantly remind them of the routine, it still helps that there is one. But yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that you're describing, like uh, on a hair trigger, already starting off ramped up. <laughs> Uh, in no mood for their nonsense and of course they're in the mood for nonsense
0: yeah I mean it's the best time of the day for them because they're well rested right but invariably the dad or the mom like we stayed up late watching TV or exercising or something that we could have gone to bed earlier podcasting and then we get up early because we have to prepare everything and now we're cranky
1: well plus there's this deadline of getting them to school on time Uh, not to mention ourselves on work uh, to work on time that only matters to us (laughs) for for them the most exciting thing in the world would be if we actually (laughs) brought them to school half an hour late (laughs) Do, do you and your wife split bringing the kids to school on different days or is it generally you that does that in the morning
0: it's generally me because my wife has the scope so she gets up even earlier so she's usually out the door before the ki- the before the kids have started eating their breakfast.
1: The, the audience knows what you mean when you say scope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she has to rinse
0: her mouth out with mouthwash. <laughs> she's a gastroenterologist, so she's got to get into the uh, into the clinic earlier than me. So one of the things that that's interesting I think is starting school for the very first time. Do you remember any stories about like your kids when they were just starting out school brand new and like, you know, the stress of like separating from the parents for the first time? You know, I
1: imagine most parents do if they have school-aged children, and we are no different. So I remember when my oldest child started kindergarten. uh, We did this program that was offered through one of the bus companies in the city where she got to ride the school bus before the first day of school to get a sense of of what it's like and to be taught a little bit about bus safety. It was pretty fun, actually, because my wife and I got to ride the bus with her, and there was this vintage video of Winnie the Pooh singing a song about how to get on the bus without (laughs) getting run over.
0: So this is for junior kindergarten?
1: Yeah, this is junior kindergarten. This is the very beginning of her of her school experience. Okay. And so uh, on the first day of school, the bus pulls up, and we're we're thinking this is going to be fine because we've done all this routine, and she loved it when we did the practice run. Bus pulls up, opens the door. She gets on the first step, and then she turns around and looks at my wife and says, come on, Mommy, get on the bus. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if we didn't make it clear to her or if that... <laughs> Pre-trial caused some confusion, but she completely seemed to think that we were riding this bus with her. So when my wife is saying, no, no, honey, you, we, you go on your own. We, we can't come with you. Oh, gosh. That's when the waterworks started. And I don't just mean that my child was crying. There were other children starting to panic, and there were parents of kids who were older, and they were starting to cry because this whole scene was triggering flashbacks for them.
0: Crazy. The first that that those first day stories are pretty common. Like, like my my daughter is not really a crier, like in public. Mm -hmm. So she didn't I actually didn't take her on her very first day. I just remember picking her up on the first day and she just had like this like and it was only half day. Right. She did like three hours. Right. And she just had like this ashen look on her face like she was like really angry. And then like when I and I saw her, I'm like, okay, let's go. We're going home. She's like, what about the park? Were supposed to go to the park right because i guess the teacher had said something that that day that they were going to get to go out to the playground but the weather wasn't great so they had to nix that idea and she was steamed; yeah. like she was like i came here for a park and there's no park
1: she had this like she had a plan in mind and you disrupted the plan and that was probably the whole reason she was willing to go to school that day
0: yeah probably that in the snack right and so I think like when whenever kids start these new things there's always going to be these hiccups right so it's actually yeah. it's actually crazy to expect that like you know we're going to be able to drop them off and then 15 minutes later show up at our work and you know start doing all the other stuff <laughs> true so like since since the kids are going to be in school and since this is presumably a medical podcast i thought we should talk about some of the medical issues surrounding school and preschool and you know, and being being in a being in a classroom environment with 20 other boogery kids.
1: Yeah, well, in the emergency department, we talk about the September spike, which is a, a specific time in September where you get a, a spike in the number of students who come in with asthma exacerbations <laughs> because they're usually triggered by catching colds that you get when you go back to school. Do you know what day that is? Well, in Ontario, in the province where we work, uh, if you look at the numbers historically, you can almost pinpoint three weeks after the first day of school.
0: Oh, my. And that's that's like right around the corner. Like, we're in for it. So I, I thought we'd just run through some of these common medical ailments that your children will meet and some of the little issues that parents sometimes face when their kids are in school. Um, first one, I guess, is the most common thing. It's the common cold, right? Like, runny nose, kids seem as well otherwise. I remember when my daughter was in preschool and i think your older ones had already been through preschool so i called you and i was like do they literally have a runny nose for like the entire winter like like this has been going since september 23rd and it's like march <laughs> and just nonstop kleenexville <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i i kind of remember us having this conversation <laughs> i recall i said i hear this all the time because people come to see me when they're in the emergency part with this where the parents are saying either my child seems to have one never-ending cold that's lasting for four months. Right. Or they say, it's not one never-ending cold, but it seems like we're only healthy for a week or a weekend. And then we're right back up with, a, right. with another like runny nose cough. Right. Thing.
0: I mean, the question I get a lot is, is this like chronic rhinitis? Like they ask me in Chinese, right? Because they're speaking Chinese, but the translation is like chronic rhinitis. I'm like, (laughs) like this is crazy. I I
1: frequently get the question, is there something wrong with my child's immune system? Right, right.
0: That's actually a common question.
1: Yeah. And and after seven or eight colds in a row, it's not surprising. People wonder about immune disorders, Uh, but those are pretty rare and they don't present with colds over and over again, where you're just getting runny nose, cough a fever that goes away in a couple of days, those kids with immune disorders are getting repeated bacterial infections like pneumonia or uh, abscesses in the skin with little pus collections or infections with organisms you don't usually see much like uncommon types of fungal infections.
0: The reason I remember that conversation with you is that it was very reassuring for you to tell me that actually this goes on the whole year. <laughs> and like I had like my memory, I, my memory of it, of course, was that I was sick sometimes when I was growing up. But I had no idea that I was sick every single day <laughs> of my elementary school life. <laughs> but apparently that's how it was.
1: <laughs> well, that's the marvelous thing about young school aged children. When they're well enough to play, they just play.
0: So. One of the issues that came up, my daughter was like on the very first day of it, like it was again at breakfast, like I'm kind of stressed out. We're getting ready to go. And then we're watching this runny nose, right? We're watching and we're like, so should she stay home today? Right? Like uh, we don't want to be that parent, the one that brings the sick kid in and contaminates everybody else. But then we're there's on the flip side, we're thinking, you know what? If, if we spring her, if we don't bring her in for this, like literally this could go on for weeks. I mean, we didn't know it was going to go on for months, (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's the thing, right? Parents have a limited number of sick days. So lots of parents start off at the beginning being like, ah, yeah, they're a bit off today. Just going to stay home. And then by the time their boss at work is saying, you know, well, if you take another day off, I'm not going to pay you. (laughs) Then it's, well, here's some Advil. Uh, Let's roll the dice. I'll shove you off to school and I'll get at least a half a day of work in before anyone notices you're sick. Maybe I'll hit the jackpot and you'll make it through the whole day without vomiting.
0: This, this sounds a lot like the time that you were taking Tylenol to get through the uh, temperature sensor during like, what was it? The SARS outbreak?
1: <laughs> SARS.
0: <laughs> <laughs> At the airport so we could go to Europe.
1: <laughs> That's right. I don't know if it's safe to to still tell that story, but I guess it's been long enough that the uh, whatever flight associations.
0: Yeah, we to entered the European Union, but Stu was actually deathly ill.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I was deathly ill. Yeah, you Ill.
0: actually recovered the next day. I don't think it lasted very long. Well, in many ways I'm like a school-aged child, so I, I often bounce back.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure how many of our or how much of our audience remembers 2002, 2003, uh, when SARS was a big deal. But that was uh, severe acute respiratory syndrome it was caused by a by a type of virus which was lethal, uh, which spread quickly and for which we had no cure. Right. There was so much panic about it at the time that they, they screened international travelers at the airport to see if you had fever. Now, here I was, a guy who works in hospitals, uh, trying to fly out of Toronto, which was a city that had a couple of cases. And to make matters worse, this epidemic originated in China, Right. and I'm trying to get through the airport with a fever, and Dave here, a Chinese medical student, <laughs> This so reminds me of that time that uh, we were flying during the Ebola scare and you were bleeding from all your orifices <laughs> we managed to cover it up just long enough to get you through the flight. Just
0: keep your mouth closed so, so that's the common cold so the common cold basically like sometimes people just to give a bit of information it's a little bit different than like the flu right so usually the kids aren't as sick they're not having much of a fever they'll look like they're playing and happy and eating and doing their usual thing but their voice might be a little off, their runny nose, they're coughing a tiny bit, basically, right?
1: The way I usually describe it is I I call it a cold if you have things like fever, runny nose, cough, congestion. And then I call it a flu-like illness if on top of that you have the muscle aches, the myalgias, that general malaise, uh, or stomach symptoms like vomiting, diarrhea
0: to go with it all. So then the question for parents is at what point do the kids have to stay home? Like at what point is are you really being that parent? Like the one that should not be taking their kids to school?
1: Well, you shouldn't send them to school while they're still having a fever. And some would say they should be fever-free for 24 hours. Although that is a bit of an arbitrary number. That's not based on hard science so much as just the idea that you don't want to send them to school thinking they, they're okay only to realize two hours later that the fever's coming back. Right. That aside though, uh, really, if they seem well enough to participate in their normal school activities then they should be able they should be fine to go back to school after all most of these viruses uh, are contagious before you even present with the symptoms so it's not likely any school is going to be able to contain a common cold outbreak with patient zero
0: so the other illness I mean we talked about this other one in the last episode but the other illness that comes up a lot at this time of year is, is the stomach flu and diarrhea Right. So for that one, when would you let's say your kids are, you know, having a little bit of diarrhea, when can they go back to school?
1: Ah, See, from the from the medical dad point of view, uh, I have a lot of sympathy for the concept of uh, uh, how bad it is for kids to have diarrhea at school. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, even if they seem really well, but I think there's a chance of them having a poop toot. uh, I'm inclined to let them stay. What's a poop toot? That's exactly what it sounds like. Is that an outfit that they wear? (laughs) No, not a poop
0: suit, a poop toot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess uh, the the technical name would be um...
0: (laughs) Blowout massive explosion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now you're getting it. (laughs) When the kid thinks they're going to toot and then they realize that the underwear now has poop in it, you know, you can you can call that a poop toot or uh, some may refer to that as a shart. Uh, or we could say fecal flatulence, uh, but whatever you call it, if, if my kids have one of those uh, the morning of or the night before school, or if they're just still having any hint of diarrhea, then I'm going to have a very low threshold for letting them stay home.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've all had those instances. Like we've got, you get the announcement from the school, right? Like, oh, there's an outbreak of uh, norovirus in the class right now. If your child has any symptoms, please don't send them into the school. And then, you know, like somebody sent their kid in for them to trigger this letter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and your kid doesn't want that rep. So the, the other the other condition that sometimes comes up, it's not as common as these other ones, would be hand-foot-mouth disease. And this one, I guess it got popular in the news like a few years ago. And parents all know about it now. So maybe a quick rundown about that. For sure. Hand-foot-mouth
1: disease is a viral infection caused by a type of virus called... Coxsackie A virus. And so when you get this virus, you usually have symptoms like as if you had a cold. And sometimes it can be even more flu-like symptoms. They might get upset stomach in this. Uh, But the hallmark of it is that you get little blisters and ulcers uh, inside the mouth on the soft palate, like the back of the throat, uh, and on the hands and on the feet. Right. Uh, And then there's like variations of it because I tend to call it hand, foot, and mouth disease when you have illness in the hands, feet, and mouth. But often with Cox's virus, you just get the lesions in the mouth and nowhere else. Mm,
0: okay. But you can get the lesions on other parts of the body too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can also like get it. On the it thighs to... and exactly. wherever their hands touch, basically. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's specifically because it's
1: spread from their hands from touching, but mm-hmm. you can certainly get the lesions on your belly, on your okay. arms, anywhere. So you're right. It does seem like people have heard of this more in the last 10 years than in the previous 10 years because I have people now... Uh, asking me, you know, is this hand foot and mouth disease? Or I've had people where they thought maybe it was chicken pox. And I said, no, no, I think this is Coxsackie virus. Mm. You might have heard of it under the name hand foot and mouth disease. And then people are in tears. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what have you heard about hand foot and mouth disease?
0: Well, it's one of those things where I think. It, the marketing behind this illness. I don't know who the marketing brain was, but to call it hand, foot, mouth, it just sounds so frightening. It's like, that's like one step from like flesh eating disease. <laughs> well, plus uh, uh,
1: cows get something called hoof and mouth disease, which is a different organism, but is fatal and has led to like large scale slaughter of <laughs> cattle. I think that used to make headlines in the news at one point.
0: Are you talking about mad cow disease? <laughs>
1: No, no, that that's something different, but perhaps it all gets mixed together in our minds.
0: Indeed. I I do have a bit of a problem with the word disease when it's used for this. You know, like we don't go around calling like the common cold a disease, right? Or we don't even call the flu a disease. Yet hand-foot-mouth gets called a disease, and the other one is like slap cheek, right? It's called par it's called slap cheek disease, right? And that word when it gets bandied about like at our house, actually my kids got slap cheek last spring. And then my mother-in-law was shaking her. She was like, this is a disease. You guys got a disease. How did you guys get a disease like this? I was like, this is a terrible name. Like, let's just call it virus. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. HIV is
1: human immunodeficiency virus. And when you say it like that, it, it just doesn't sound that bad. It's, oh, it's just <laughs> a little virus. And, and even AIDS is acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. It sounds like, oh, it's just a little syndrome I acquired. It's not like I acquired a disease. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, hand, foot, muscle disease does make it sound as if like, I don't know, so, like your hands and your feet are going to fall
0: off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something about disease makes it just seem like a, seem like a bigger deal. Actually, if, if that is the case, we might want to try to rethink the name of our podcast to really make it go viral. We could be like the Medical Dad Disease podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, that should work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tune in each week to catch our disease. Oh, that's
1: great. <laughs> well, to be fair to hand foot mouth disease or Coxsackie type A virus infection, if you prefer, uh, it can make kids feel pretty miserable. It's not dangerous right. typically, but uh, uh, the blisters and ulcers in the mouth uh, can make it uh, painful to try to eat. And so. Sometimes it's actually kind of challenging for parents to to get their kids to swallow and get their kids to drink. It's also contagious for quite a while, too, uh, particularly in the first sort of week of illness. So if your kids are are very symptomatic, then they shouldn't really be going to school. Uh, If they're feeling well, fever's resolved, and they've got blisters, but not new ones forming, just old lesions that are healing, then, then that's fine to send them to school. And of course, if they're looking really sick, just like with any viral infection or cold or what have you, if, they, if they're getting dehydrated because they can't drink, if they're working hard to breathe, or you know if they're complaining about a, a really severe headache, then it's wise to uh, follow up with your doctor.
0: I mean, a similar thing happens with the flu, right? Like the flu, we always hear like sometimes people do get very serious sequelae from it. Right. Every year, there's a few people that will die in nursing homes or children get really, really seriously ill from it. So we kid about these diseases, but there are times where people get really, really sick.
1: Yeah, it's true. And for, for any any childhood illness, you do got to keep an eye out for for complications. But uh, in the context of hand, foot and mouth, it's typically seven to 10 days of symptoms at the, the long end of things uh, with no real treatment, certainly no role for antibiotics, uh, just fluids, rest. Uh, Ibuprofen may
0: help them feel a little bit better, and uh, lots of popsicles. Right. There's no actual medication treatment for it. It usually resolves within a week or two, just like all these other viral illnesses for the most part. Yeah. Well, you know what other back-to-school organism
1: uh, we didn't talk about yet that causes a lot of frustration for families? Lice.
0: Lice. (laughs) Can't forget about lice. Lice is actually surprisingly common so the last couple of years they've actually had a lice issue at the school so every year there's a lice check at some point in the year like the
1: i think lice has been a problem at school since like ancient times like cavemen probably did lice checks and they probably just ate what they found have you ever seen it in the emerge oh yeah definitely but people don't usually come to the emergency department because they already know that they have lice and just want us to fix it. Usually it's more that they've had something like uh, itching for a long time, or they're starting to get like a bit of a reaction on the skin around the scalp. Uh, they don't know what it is. And then we, we find the lice, which tends to make us feel itchy for the rest of our shift. So did you actually ever see the insects flying around in the hair? Well, actually, they, they crawl around. They, don't, they okay. don't fly and they don't, they don't hop, uh, but they crawl really quickly. And they're also very small so it, it makes them hard to spot right. uh, the adult ones are maybe the size of uh, sesame seed and uh, right. the baby ones are even smaller uh, so sometimes the main evidence you're seeing is the uh, is the knits which are like kind of like eggs that they hatch out of and these are like attached to the hair shaft
0: right the knits just look like little white specks but they're all over the place but
1: usually close to the scalp like they're on the hair shaft close to the scalp and they can they could be mistaken
0: for dandruff sometimes So any practical advice about this like it seems like if a kid in the school has lice you basically need to get checked for it There's not really much else to do for prevention
1: Well, I'd wager that there's always a kid in the school who has head lice at least at the beginning of the year It was one of my kids teachers who mentioned to us once that we should watch out because uh, they typically get outbreaks of lice Uh, when kids come back to school from a break. So in September after the summer break or even uh, (laughs) after the March break or spring break. If there's an upside to all of this uh, is that lice uh, aren't generally considered to be dangerous. They don't spread any specific disease. Right. And so they're often thought of as more of a nuisance than uh, as an actual illness. Right. We always try to reassure patients that uh, lice isn't something they, they got because they didn't keep up with hygiene or because their kids are dirty in some sort of way. Uh, they're just very contagious. They spread easily f- from like hair to hair contact, which is a common event in schools, I'm sure. <laughs> so we don't we don't want families to feel sullied or ashamed because <laughs> uh, because they're dealing with lice. Right. It doesn't make the thought of getting lice any more appealing though. <laughs> we always make our kids tie their hair back for the first month of school or so. <laughs> And we actually have a talk with them about how you don't share
0: combs, you don't share hats, and you don't rub heads with other kids at school. <laughs> One other thing about the medical side of going back to school is out of all these things we talked about, it seems like there's really nothing we can do to prevent illness. Like a lot of these illnesses, most of them it seems like, they're contagious before the kid's even sick. So if your kid's going to be in school around other children at this time of year for the next few months, they're going to get sick. The only thing that, that can prevent some illness is, is the flu shot. So I just want to take like 10 seconds and just really stump to advocate for the flu shot for people who are in school. Like even if it only prevents like one out of 20 cases or one out of 10 cases, it's still worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, we get it. We understand why people are uh, skeptical about the flu shot. The idea that every year you have to get an injection, which generally people don't like their kids having to get an injection. Right. Uh, so the right. idea that you get it every year and, and the idea that, uh, Usually you'll you'll hear them announcing in the news that the flu shot is not that effective this year, uh, in the sense right. that you know a good year is when it, it when it's sixty percent effective, but like you said, for how bad the flu is when you actually have the real flu, the flu shot has a very low risk to benefit ratio.
0: Right. I mean, I think I think one issue is that most people haven't really gotten too many bad flus in their life, right? They get they get a cold a couple times a year and they feel like okay, that's not a big deal. I don't need a medication for this and I don't need a, a shot or a needle for this. I'll just deal with the two colds I get. But they don't realize that there are some flus out there that are like super nasty, right?
1: Yeah, well, there's a, there's a difference between having a flu-like illness or what, what people just call having the flu uh, versus having actual influenza, which is the specific influenza virus that right. they protect you for with the, with the flu shot. Uh, I think that also contributes to why people sometimes feel like it's not worth it because they may have had a flu shot one year, but they still got a cold or like a bad cold or they still got like a flu-like illness. And so they feel like, "Well, oh, this vaccine didn't even do anything. Right. If you ever actually have real influenza where you're laid out for 10 days or have worse complications, then it's a lot easier to appreciate why even a 30% risk reduction would be worthwhile. Right. I, I do think we'll look back on this time and say to ourselves that what we're doing is... Uh, still fairly primitive. Like I I think the companies that make these flu vaccines are probably sitting pretty cozy now saying, hey, we've got this product that people seem to think it's okay they have to take every year and that we don't have to advertise ourselves because the government and doctors will advertise it to patients for us even if it's not 100% effective every year. So (laughs) I I do wonder sometimes if if those companies really have a a drive to try to make a, a better vaccine. But still... I really do believe that uh, that what we have
0: now is better than nothing. So there's a few non-medical issues related to going back to school. So I thought maybe we could touch on these quickly. Um, What, in your opinion, as a pediatrician, is a good age for children to start preschool? Like knowing that they're going to get sick no matter when they start. And there's a balance, right? Like staying at home indefinitely is not is not an option for a lot of people but for some people for some parents it is for a little while so there's this issue of like when should the kids start preschool what, what would you recommend uh,
1: I don't have any medical recommendation of, of when you should start preschool like I don't I don't really feel like it's a medical decision
0: that's more of a how about a parenting yeah. decision what do you what would what would you say then if they asked your opinion
1: if we had the choice then I probably wouldn't have put them in daycare until maybe uh, like a year before school
0: like age three ish yeah
1: two three You know, for my youngest daughter, uh, we were fortunate that my mom was uh, available to look after her for the for the two years before she started kindergarten. And she would go to this uh, play group a couple of times a week that was run by the city, which was just fantastic for building routine, for uh, getting her introduced to the idea of uh, sharing, uh, turn taking and a bit of the classroom setting. But we were just lucky that we had the chance for that child and that my mom was so wonderful. Right. If you can, if you have the opportunity to stay home with your kids and the and the means to stay home with your kids, then that would be great. It could avoid so many hassles.
0: <laughs> well, that's usually what I tell the parents, too, because I get asked this question in the clinic a fair amount. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I usually say somewhere between two and a half to three, because before that age, children aren't they're not that social anyway. Like you'll you'll put them in a room with another child and they'll ignore each other and each of them will play on their own toy. But you get to around two and a half, yeah. three, they'll start to be interested in what this other person is doing, right? So then the opportunity for communication and, and stuff like that starts to happen.
1: Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, the, the the primary benefit of preschool for most parents is that it's somewhere they can put their kid because they have to go to work. Um, right. So that's, I mean... Yeah, if you didn't have to go to work it'd be great
0: i mean there's a there, there's another aspect of this argument is that when the kids are smaller and then they get sick like when they get the fever at one year old or 15 months old it's a lot more stress on the parents than if they're three when they get it so like that's the other part of the advice is i tell the parents is like you send them to school they're going to get sick and at a year old a year and a half like you're going to be in and out of the doctor's office you're going to be worrying the kid's tiny their immune system is like not super mature so that's my other argument for trying to delay it a little bit to like two and a half, three. Yeah, that's very logical. That's, that's very
1: practical. I, I've had patients tell me that their, their child was in daycare and then they took them out of daycare because as parents they were getting so frustrated by their child being sick all the
0: time. Right. I think that happens more often than people think. We do like to yeah. tell ourselves that
1: being in daycare now uh, means that later they don't have as much trouble when they go to kindergarten school. Like the immune system has to see these things sooner or later so we tell ourselves that to feel better
0: well not necessarily you could homeschool your kids and keep them out of the system forever and some parents do do that
1: (laughs) then some 40 year old guy goes out of his house for the first time to get groceries (laughs) and dies of the common cold. (laughs)
0: um i i think that that's most of the topics i wanted to cover i mean i think we've kind of talked about most of the issues about going back to school is there anything else you want to mention well, maybe I'll just mention that
1: uh, another thing that's important for protecting your kids when they go back to school is to make sure they have their routine vaccinations. The flu shot's great and all, but it's because of your regular vaccine schedule that we're talking about outbreaks of lice today instead of outbreaks of polio.
0: Since we're near the end, here's a this is a sort of unrelated question. But when you think, like, you know how, like, as parents, like, we put a lot of pressure, like, on our kids. Like, you know, you got to get to school on time. You got to learn these things. Like you, you just mentioned the ABCs a few times and like then you think back to like our own childhood right like like i'm i'm like over 40 now so i'm thinking back to like kindergarten or grade one like that entire year of my life is probably in my memory like one sentence right or or like one image right or like grade two there might be like three images right like like for me when i think about like senior kindergarten all i know about senior kindergarten is that this other guy in my class, Mark Smith, gave me the little books that came in the back of the He Man figures because he had a lot of figures and I didn't. But he gave me the books that came with it. They were like little comic books, right? That's it. Like, I, I actually literally have retained nothing else of my senior kindergarten life experience. I don't know who the teacher was. <laughs> I know the name of the school I was in, and I know I got these He Man figure books.
1: I'm a little worried now this guy's going to hear the podcast and come back
0: to you. <laughs> Expecting his books to be in mint condition. <laughs> and then like in like grade one, my only memory really is that I was sick on the last day of school uh, and the school watched back to the future. Like I could have seen Back to the Future in grade one and I missed it. Oh, no way. Because because of this. Or is it it's either grade one or two. One of those two years, I missed it. Yeah. That's like my entire memory of an entire year. So then I think of a like, you know, like we stress about our kids learning stuff and like, you know, going through the day to day minutia as a parent. Yeah. They're not gonna remember any of this. <laughs>
1: So if I'm understanding you correctly, you didn't learn any math or numbers or reading or handwriting in, until you started graduate. I
0: may have. I just don't remember.
1: Uh, so I'm not, I'm not so sure that just because you don't remember when you learned something
0: that it would make no difference if we sent you to school or not. I didn't say it made no difference. I'm just saying that actually we don't retain that much of these life experiences like years after the fact.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, maybe you just had such a good time at school that there are no traumatic experiences that stick with you.
0: <laughs> oh, actually, now that you see, now you just said one of the trigger words. Like, oh. I do re- I do remember like in, in grade two that I only had like three other friends. So there were four of us. We were the four Chinese guys in the class. So we had to band together and form our own little like clique. Is that the word? Yeah, clique. It's it's but click means like like you're kind of separating yourself from others. We were like, what is it called like when you're kind of like like refugees from everybody else? <laughs> you're just in a group of... <laughs>
1: You were a band of outcasts, I think.
0: You we were a band of outcasts, and so then I was the, like the leader. I don't of this band of outcasts. So I I got to give us a name, right? So like you know like at that age like you know you got the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. So I named our our four guys. We were the Chinese chopsticks. <laughs> So like I I understood the concept of alliteration at that point <laughs> in my life, and then we would play foot hockey every recess against I guess four non-Chinese kids, yeah. and we lost every recess, right? This is this is actually the only other memory I have of elementary school. <laughs> we 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 lost every recess, and then there was one recess where we were winning, right? We were winning, and the bell was going to ring soon, uh-huh. and that and then the other team told me to go in the penalty box so I got unjustly put in the penalty box during foot hockey at recess the other team scored two goals and we lost this is the I this is what I remember of elementary school
1: see I think perhaps this is specific to you that you don't remember much of elementary school because you've repressed all these memories <laughs> of bullying and racism <laughs> I mean I remember I remember I remember grade one fondly. Me and my four friends, we'd go out for recess every day and there was this group of Chinese kids we would beat at <laughs> foot hockey. <laughs> it was the highlight of every day.
0: <laughs> I wonder what ever happened to those kids. <laughs> Indeed, what did happen to those kids?
1: And that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope for the listeners out there that your children will have at least as many happy memories of their school years as Dr. Shu has of his.
0: We will be back in a week's time with another topic for your bemusement.
1: And if you've been enjoying our podcast, please tell your friends and help us keep our audience growing. All right. Adios.